And I'm Nikisha, and this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. And welcome our special guest for today, uh, Mr. Terrence Fleming. You have heard him on our podcast on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the new one. And now he is here with us. So we are happy to have you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be back. Always happy to be back. Yes. (laughs) And a good time to be back because today we are talking about the 1997 slasher film, I Know What You Did Last Summer. Ooh. I believe you, Julie. He took the body. He came here. He took the body. Why would he do that? I don't know. Come on, Julie. Let's go back to the house. Where's your jacket, Barry? Don't you see? He's got us now. Okay, this is exactly what he wants. We can't go to the police. Not now. He's made sure of that. He's just out there, and he's watching us and waiting. What are you waiting for, huh? What are you waiting for? So this film was directed by Jim Gillespie and written by our very own Kevin Williamson, like we know him, but we talk about him a lot. He is a writer on this movie and it stars Jennifer Love Hewitt, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Ryan Phillippe, and a one dreamy McDreamboat, Freddie Prince Jr. (laughs) And it is loosely based on the 1973 novel of the same name. So now I'm curious. I I feel like it said on uh, the Wikipedes that it just had the same name, but a lot of the stuff was changed from the novel. But I'm so curious to see what the 73 novel was about. So heavy spoilers (laughs) if you live under a rock and have never watched I Know You Did Last Summer and are listening to a horror movie podcast. So please stop what you're doing. Watch it. It's on Hulu streaming as of the time we are recording this. And yeah, spoilers for this. Any trigger warnings, Jamie, for this movie? Uh, There is a lot of insides on the outside. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, our our usual slasher, regular old slash and Dyson. What other things can you do (laughs) with regular regular. knives? Um, (laughs) Any and all of those things. Um, There are references to, uh, I mean, I know I say slashing, but like to murder via car accidents, to suicide, um, to, uh, uh, I mean, multiple car accidents. Um, and yeah, um, any, anything, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I'm missing. There's just so much. If you have a fear of hooks. (laughs) I mean, yeah, yes. it's not even knives. It is. It's very specifically it's very hooks specific. of the Just of hooks. the Fisher variety. Yes. So, 
Um, yeah, if, if you're not a hook person, then this might not be the film for or you. Or if you're allergic to fish, you know, just don't even, don't even worry about it. <laughs> Shellfish, crap. Yeah. yeah, any and all, just <clears throat> pass it by. <laughs> Beautiful. So before we get into all things producer Brian... Do you want to give us some words? Sure. Um, hey, YouTube. Um, you can find us on YouTube. You can find us wherever you get podcasts. But, of course, follow us at Talk Horror Pod on all of the the stream. Where are they? Oh, social media. Oh, my gosh, my brain. Uh, <laughs> the social media. <laughs> streaming services, Netflix, yeah. Hulu. Yeah, yeah, ex- yeah exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Find us on Shutter. Um, but maybe check out Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at the Nerdverse Pod. All right, there's a hook in my brain. I'll pass it back to you, Nikisha. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Good times. Well, I do want to ask if y'all have watched anything because I have to say I just started Wednesday on Netflix and I'm super excited to continue on the journey because I have heard good things about it from people who've not even are not even into the Adams family or super into that kind of comedy and they still loved it. So I'm really excited to uh, keep getting into it. And we love our newly appointed scream queen jenny ortega because mm-hmm. she's just taken over all the things which is great mm-hmm. uh but yeah have you guys watched anything recently we did nikisha we watched a movie called oh god beast starring idris elba i i forgot we even watched that movie <laughs> and it was yesterday for those of you who don't know, yeah, for those of you who wow. don't know, Beast is a lion attack movie starring Idris Elba. He and his children go to Africa to mourn their um, just recently deceased mother and to reconnect. And poachers kill a lion's family and the lion takes revenge and they just happen to get caught in the middle. And um, <laughs> it is this. Listen, you need four things to make a good animal attack movie. You need good performances to sell it. You need an engaged, for me, you need an engaging plot, lower bar for animal attack movies, but you need some sort of engaging kind of um, inciting action, if you will. And then the third thing you need is you need... um, you need uh, a, a a good foe, like you know the lion in this looking for revenge, spectacular. But most importantly, you need the insanity. And Idris Elba punches <laughs> a lion, and that's all that matters. <laughs> He punches a lion. Okay. And you also need a really good way. And you also need a really good way to show however you choose to show the animal. Like, yeah. Like, whether Mm -hmm. it's Jaws and never seeing it, whether it's like Cujo and like only seeing the mouth at points, you know, you never really see the full dog. That's great. That's great. Because on that note, Terrence, the CGI in this movie is surprisingly very good. So, like, I feel like that's an asterisk where, like, you expect kind of, like, bad CGI for the line. But actually, the CGI was very, very good. So, to me, that was enough to, like, that to meet your quota on that, if that makes sense. (laughs) Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. So, are you saying it is worth watching or a pass? I think for a – it's streaming on Peacock – for to watch it, I think is to for a background or whatever. We, we had friends over this weekend and we all enjoyed it for different reasons. But <laughs> I think that it's a good time yeah, if you like animal attack movies. If you're not, they're not your thing. You can absolutely skip this one. But this is pretty good. And Edris Elba is always great. And you you could tell he like was just having a good time. Like he does a good job with like his yeah. emotional scenes and stuff like that. There's a little bit of like. 
existential like dream mm. sequences and stuff like that. Totally, totally worth it. Um, totally good. So I would highly suggest Beast if that's your thing. So does it belong in a three pack with Anaconda and Deep Blue Sea? <laughs> Yes. <gasps> cool. There we go. Done. Yes. Cool. <laughs> absolutely. Stamp of approval. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, absolutely. 100%. Good old anaconda. Wow. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Well, this is not an animal attack movie, but, you know, people were attacked <laughs> in this. So I think we need to get into... That was my only segue. Sorry, guys. I'm trying. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, we need a two-minute plot summary of this, and I believe that is designated to our guest of honor. So, Terrence... Watch the plot. <laughs> and who's going to time? Brian? Yeah, I'll time him. Okay, beautiful. So Brian will time and Terrence will give a two-minute plot summary. So Brian will let you know when to start. All right, Terrence. Three, two, one, plot us. (laughs) Okay. The movie opens and you see a person sitting on like... The, the ledge of, like, a mountain or a cliff or something like that. And you're like, oh, who is he? But, you know, they're just like, whatever. And now, next thing you know, we're at a um, a Miss whatever town, whatever it is that, that, that they're at. But it's basically a beauty yeah. pageant. And and you get there and you have um, Sarah Michelle Gellar, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 yes. Boom. <laughs> she is there competing and she's winning. I mean, killing the game. And she has her three friends up there in the balcony cheering on. You know, you got Freddie Prince and you got, um, who's the other? Ryan Phillippe. Ryan, Ryan Phillippe. Yeah. Yeah, you got Ryan Phillippe yeah. and you have, um, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Uh, there we go. How <laughs> Jennifer Love Okay, Hewitt. boom. Yes. So either way, I'm spending too much time trying to think about names. Um, so now we get there, and they're cheering her on. Then they go out to celebrate. But before they go out to celebrate, uh, they get one, into a One minute. Contest. You have one minute. I got you. And then they get into a pushing contest with this dude, and then they drive off. And while they're driving and celebrating, one of them is drinking, drops a bottle. The bottle spills. Next thing you know, they hit somebody. Now... They're panicking because the person's dead, so they're like, let's get rid of the body, and they make a pact. Not everybody wanted to necessarily, but they make a pact to take it to their graves. A year later, Julie comes back home. Well, before she comes back home, or whatever, she gets a note, and it says, hey, I know what you did. So now she freaks out. She goes to her friends and says, hey, somebody knows what we did. Freddie Prince is like, hey, we got to stay out of this. But everybody else is like, let's figure it out. So slowly but surely, the person who got into a pushing contest, he gets chopped in the throat with a hook. And then next thing you know, um, Julie finds that body in a trunk, but then all of a sudden that body's gone. Boom. And now she's freaking out. Um, Sarah Michelle Geller has her hair chopped off in the middle of the night because we see him creeping to the house and that's freaking us out. And she wakes Ten, up and next thing you know, nine, she's all scary. Eight, and then next thing you know, um, they all die and you realize that it is a uh, old white man with a fuck. I think that deserves some air horns. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's the plot. It's always so funny too when any of us do the plot summary, what we choose to like linger in on, and I'm obsessed that it was the beauty pageant. <laughs> because one of my in, in getting into it, one one of the most wildest things was in that beauty pageant, and the question was about Mother Teresa, and then she starts <laughs> talking about being an actress, and how that's the equivalent of mm. Mother Teresa, and I immediately was like, "All right, here we go. 
I've seen this before, mm-hmm. but I forgot that moment. So <laughs> with that, let's get into our segment of likes and gripes. And now our likes and gripes. So we'll go around. Let uh, everyone know if you've seen this movie before or what your relationship with this movie is, and then give us some likes and gripes. Let's start with you, Jamie. Sure. Um, So I have seen this movie before. I believe it was introduced to me by um, the same person who forced me to watch scary movies against my will as a child, uh, one of my childhood friends. Um, And I I remember liking it more when I was younger. And I found that it does not really live up to the expectation in my childhood nostalgic brain. Um, it's, this isn't very good. I, I thought it was better. I don't know. I, I also now, I think we talked a lot about this, um, when we watched Scream or like talk about Scream is like, Mm -hmm. I can't help, but all I think about is scary movie now in rewatching all of these like old nostalgic 90s slashers. And like all I'm thinking about are all of the scenes that they make fun of in scary movie. Um, And, and like found myself laughing when she's like, when Jennifer Love Hewitt's like (laughs) on the street screaming, what are you waiting for? Best part. It's so silly. It just like, yeah, the, I mean, I also, it's wild because like, man, like these are the actors from the late nineties, like the epitome of like, you know, the, the like hot, everyone's hot in this movie and, and so famous. (laughs) And I'm just like, oh my God, I'm, I'm so excited to see them. And then I'm like, wow, it's all a bunch of like pretty lackluster, Performances. Uh, performances out of out of most of them, um, yeah. Freddie Prince, like real real disappointing. Um, I don't know. Yeah, he really phoned that one in. Um, his hair did not though. I don't know if you remember. There's like one scene where his hair is like spiky and looks insane. Yes. I was like, what is going on? Um, I did really appreciate Ryan Phillippe though. I think he really stands out because he was just like oh so aggro God. the whole time. I mean, he 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 really played like the quintessential like spoiled rich white brat. Um, he to a T. Mm-hmm. I thought he really did a good job, and I I believed his like just being aggressive and like you know he he can't get in trouble. His dad will kill him, and like he'll do anything to prevent his dad from finding out. So like that that felt more believable um, mm. than Freddie Prince like <laughs> being like I'm a tortured soul and and Jennifer Love Hewitt's like I under I'm the only one that understands you. I was like what is going on? What is what is your relationship? Yeah. Um. So I didn't really like that. Um. But I have to say I think my biggest gripe of this whole movie is really the end because I I could I like remembered that there's like a kind of twist about who the killer is mm. but when it's happening in real life it it's like the beats are so fast that I I had to like process verbally of like wait so who who are who is this yeah. who are these people what are they referencing cuz you they're making you believe that it's like the the boyfriend um of Susie. Uh, and Heisha's yeah. brother, mm-hmm. Missy Egan's brother. Yeah. Um, and it's like, and then all of a sudden they just like say, blah, 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 this is a guy's dad. And I'm like, wait, who? And I wish that they like gave us 
I mean, this movie's already kind of long, in my opinion. Mm. I don't think I need more movie, but I do wish that they kind of like gave more information about that just like a tiny bit so it settles more mm. because I was still like wait who is this guy and then all of a sudden he like lost his hand <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like okay yes. the movie's done yes. um so so that that was like my biggest gripe because I just like was trying to keep up with what was going on but I still didn't even understand why who this person was to them um but Absolutely. otherwise overall Kind of, kind of disappointing. Kind of lackluster. Uh, you know, a, a more forgettable slasher. Yeah, absolutely. Terrence. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I would agree definitely that um, this, for one, the <laughs> the amount of like man that that <laughs> that Billy like exudes it is ridiculous like it, it yeah. is absurd mm. but I get it like you said it's, it walks it, it's right up the alley of that spoiled rich like the yes. worst thing that can happen to him is that his father finds out what has happened and like because I mean the stakes could be stupid high like he may legit get like disowned or like sent off somewhere you know and he has to be perfect mm. and so like and all, it's all that stress of having to be perfect that, that makes him an ass so like sure you know there's somewhere in there to like justify that but like <laughs> my likes I mean my first like was the first kill I, I thoroughly enjoyed the first kill because I mean a, a hooked <laughs> a hook to the chin and then just pulled across. I was, I was like, okay, that that that's nice. Um, it's good. I would say my, my my biggest one of my biggest dislikes <laughs> was the ending because every their friends are dead. They 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 were almost murdered. This man's hand is like in this net and you don't know if he's dead or not. You don't know. And they're just sitting there holding each other and he's like, yeah, I went to her, Julie, but I, but, but, but I didn't want to tell you because I didn't want to lose you. I wanted you back. I'm like, what are we talking about right now? Your friends yeah, are literally yeah. dead. Like it's, it all of a sudden yes. has turned back into the, Oh, it's about us now again. Like it's like that, like yeah. like with that old school, like Gilmore Girl, like like drafty voice. You know what I mean? I'm like, this is absurd. And Gilmore Girl. And, 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 and I guess what the the other thing that like wasn't a gripe. It was just something that was very inconvenient to me. Was that their screams kept getting people killed? <laughs> it's like when when he's going to check on the guy with the messed up truck. He's watching him. He's looking at him. Mm. And then when when she's in the car and she yells, he turns around, dude comes around, and then he turns around and gets hooked. There's a chance that if he had watched him the whole time, he would have come out. He would have had time to draw his gun. He would have had time to do whatever he had to do because he was watching mm. him the whole time. And when they're on the boat, <clears throat> yeah. when um, Freddie Prinze Jr. is fighting him again... Um, she comes out and she screams and he, you know, it's that typical look at her, dude knocks him off the boat. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, I was like, oh my God, these screams are so inconvenient right now. And so that, it wasn't a big gripe, but it was more of like a, oh my God, this is awful. No, that's um, fair. I love that. That's valid. And, and, I, and I think like, I think that that might, yeah, I don't think I have any other gripes. Like the, the pacing of the movie, obviously, you know. You, you could tell it, it was for its time. Like they, yeah. <laughs> things happened very quickly. Like like we said, it, 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 the hair designer of of um 
Jennifer Love Hewitt was having a field day. Um, Just because, like, you know, you see her in the beginning, her hair is full. Then you see her a year later because she's in college depressed, her hair is streaky and all thin. And then she comes back home, and next thing you know, she's getting empowered. And it's it's a very strong feminist role. I see it. It's there. You know, like, it's clear that it's there. But slowly but surely, her hair gets fuller and fuller the more confident she gets. And I'm like, okay, all right, yeah, you know, I guess hair is a clear depiction of who you are. So, yeah, 100%. Um, that's so yeah, that's absolutely incredible. <laughs> yes, and accurate because, uh, and I'll piggyback off of what you're saying, Terrence, because a lot of your gripes were some that were similar uh, to me. Because first was the screaming. It's been a while since I've watched this because I don't think this has been on a lot of streaming platforms recently. I've watched more of the second one. Um, but when I was rewatching this one, I was thinking to myself, she is screaming so much. And it to the point where it is a little bit annoying <laughs> because it's, it's like you, you, you don't need all that, which will dip into what my suggestion will be for uh, later, because at that time she was the scream queen. And so I get it. But in some points, it just didn't seem realistic, you know when she was screaming uh and the i absolutely commented on the hair moment because for both sarah michelle geller and jennifer love hewitt a year later just means i have longer hair (laughs) and i was just thinking like what (laughs) what is this okay it's a year later and yes they just have that the only you, you the only way that you had to physically you know see that it was a year later was the hair and i just thought that that was a choice because you know, it didn't have to be that way. It's okay. We know it's a movie. We can suspend our disbelief for that moment. So that was two gripes I, I, I said. To Jamie's point, I did think that this was a good ensemble cast as far as casting because these are really good mm-hmm. actors. But then you, you know, if a script is bad, a script is bad. <laughs> so, you know, they did, I think they tried to do the best with um, what they had. And I, I did like the end twist of it. And it, this is more just nostalgia for the movie. I mean, because I also think it's, this is a good introduction into um, 90 slashers for people who don't want too much gore or too much craziness. Like, it's pretty easy to follow. But to Jamie's point, I also think that I never remember who the killer is. And I think it's what Jamie was saying before about how the killer is introduced in this uh, because it took me so long until we got towards the end that I thought, oh, yeah, it was Susie's dad who's doing all of this. And so I think that what Jamie said was correct in how they should have uh, introduced the the killer at the end. Um, I, I like the final jump scare because it's very 90s-esque in the reveal of a sequel. <laughs> like, it's just, it makes no sense in the grand scheme of things because then the next movie starts off in a completely different way. Right. But, you know, I feel like that's just, that was of, like Taryn said, it's just of its time, you know. Um, hmm. And I, I also loved... Uh, well, they did the Urban Legends thing. We always talk about Urban Legends on this. And so they were doing like the car scratchy one. Mm. And I was like, oh yeah, Urban Legends. Shout out to all of that. But what my favorite thing was is um, Jennifer saying that these Urban Legends were kind of just things to make sure that girls didn't have premarital sex. And 
I think it's just mm. so funny that the horror genre also kind of leans into that because it's always like, if you're not a virgin, you're going to be the one to die. And so I just liked that kind of combination of, you know, she's talking about these myths that are trying to get girls to like not have sex. And like, that's kind of the rules of the horror movie genre too. It's like, you need to stay pure and you'll stay alive. But, um, yeah, so I, I enjoyed that. I'm also, in my last thing that I just really, well, two things. One, the one black girl that was in this, I was so mad because the lines that she had were just sassy black girl stuff. And I was like, yeah. what are we doing here? <laughs> what is this? Uh, but again, of the time, whatever. Uh, but I was impressed that Ryan uh, <laughs> Philippi's character even mentioned therapy in oh, this. Because yeah. after they dropped the body, yeah. his line was like, we won't say this. It'll just be a future therapy bill. Truly <laughs> the best line. In the, and I like, just thought to myself, well. <laughs> the best line, most clever yeah. line in this movie was that one. <laughs> no question. Absolutely. It's like, at least you know yeah. that you're going to have to be uh, <laughs> right. in therapy. So. Uh, and then all of the scary movie stuff that, that Jamie said, I won't rehash that because I was thinking the exact same thing the whole time I was watching this. <laughs> Brian, what about you? Sure. So I like the herb. So I've, this is my third time watching this movie. However, the distance between my second watch and this one is probably 1997 or 1998. Like I haven't seen this in a long time. What fascinated me about this watch yeah. and we've all kind of discussed it is that I really remember this as being a pure slasher, and it is. But my nostalgia is actually for the actors and not for this movie. And that surprised me mm, that a lot. So some of my favorite things about this movie, likewise, is, again, I love the urgent urban legends at the beginning. I love a 90 mm. seaport town. Shout out Southport, North Carolina. Like, I love a 90 seaport town. I love that they were all working on barges. I don't know why. It felt very <laughs> 90s. It was very weird. Um, alike, I think it is wild that this killer had spectacular handwriting. His handwriting was so <laughs> nice. Those letters and that note that he wrote were spectacular. <laughs> the way he wrote her name on the front of the envelope, like, is he a calligrapher? Like, what are we doing here? It was gorgeous, the way that he wrote these things. Really, really delightful. Oh, what gosh. a fine touch he had, Ben. Yes. Um, <laughs> I love that you can tell this is this 90s movie because she's casually, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar is casually smoking. Um, yeah. And she has a spectacular mm. cardio and heels at the end for a smoker. Um, <laughs> I forgot how much this movie. She tried. She, yeah. I, I really forgot how much this movie actually focuses on their mental health, not in a deep way, but actually like, you know, she's, you know, she's behind in school. The um, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar failed in New York. Uh, Freddie Prince Jr. never went away. He just worked for his dad. And Ryan Phillippe is just like, you know, I, listen, I love a good 90s privileged white kids running amok, knocking old men down in their town. Like, like that is nine pure <laughs> 90s slasher horror. Um, and uh, basically... The, uh, the, the a like I have in this is the lack of blood in the balcony or smell in the trunk is wild to me. If there was a dead body and crabs in your trunk, he must have done a spectacular. Got bu bust out the fantastic, the scrubbing. It's bubbles. a different car. Yeah, it's a different car. It has to be. <laughs> Change the lining. <laughs> 
Um, I did something I did find fascinating is that because they cast these actors we love so much, they did something really bad, and yet we're still rooting for them because the twist is that the guy they hit is actually worse than them. And I, I thought that balance was interesting in terms of mm. who you're rooting for. Okay. Here are my gripes. The, the, the kills were super lame, except for maybe the first one for um, um, Big Bang and Max. Roseanne. Uh, I think that, like, he, he, that was the only, like, enjoyable one. Because that was a good one, and then you think they're going to build and grow from there, but they don't, which is, like, very surprising. Um, two, it's boring. The middle of this movie is super boring. Um, also, a gripe. How in the world did she jump to the conclusion that he was the killer when he clearly just used his boat's name to cover the fact that he was that person? I think that that jump doesn't make sense. I think that Jennifer Love Hewitt is smarter mm. than that, especially when she just figured out who mm. the killer is. It, it doesn't make sense. And I think that's a really that's a poor piece of writing or editing, whatever it is. Um I agree with you. The movie goes way too fast through its explanation of who these people are, like that he is the father of the girl that he killed and they actually hit the killer because he killed her that him that night. It, they're just it's too convoluted to not slow down and let the audience have a breath like Jamie mentioned. Um, I hate the ending because they get back together and they're OK because they're happy they didn't actually kill anyone. That's not the point. That was the accident. The <laughs> thing that you had control over is the decision you made to actually throw them in. And, and, and so to me, the ending is total BS because that is not that, that is not the problem they all had. The problem was not that they killed someone is that they decided yeah. to cover it up. And that doesn't change. So upsetting and infuriating to me. And then the last thing gripe is mm -hmm. at the end. They feel so bad for Missy. They even say it a couple times that, oh, that we ruined this person's life. And then the cops point blank ask them, do you know why this person was chasing you? The fact that they don't say mm -hmm. that we found out that this person killed David Egan to give Missy some sort of um actual closure and and because they couldn't find the yeah. body that they could actually give the Egan family closure and if he comes back they can always lean on that is crazy they're like no I have no idea it's like no we found out that this man killed David Egan who you found this past summer and and he knew we knew because we drove down the road that night like just cover up the fact that you hit him like but you don't have to cover up the fact that he killed David and, and that really bothered me that's just like very poor poor thinking on their two parts, but that goes along with Terrence said. It became all about them getting back together, so like, rude. Best quotes from this movie. Are you on drugs? <laughs> I wanted to surprise you. I wanted an honest reaction. Okay, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> two. How do you know it was related? You did a lot of things last summer. <laughs> Three. I don't know. It's some guy in a slicker. Skip to, we all know you have a slicker. <laughs> um, when she says to Freddie Prince, but I don't want to know you either. And just like oh starts God. to walk away and then runs a little <laughs> in her in her overalls. Spectacular on the docks in Southport, North Carolina. But the best line <laughs> mm -hmm. in this whole movie is in the last minute. Look, mister, you can ravage me in two weeks. <laughs> oh 
God. One of my favorites was in the beginning what? when she got home to her mother. And, and her mother just said, sweetie, you look like death. Good one. Good Thanks, one. mom. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I, uh, so many things. But, Brian, I will say that I do agree about the lame kills because why would the killer go to the trouble of going into this to Sarah Michelle Geller's house just to chop her hair off, just to give her a bad haircut? I don't understand it, yeah. and I think it's the dumbest thing ever. Well, like, the, the, the thing I couldn't <laughs> grasp was, like, it seemed like he was playing with their heads, mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. killing. And and I understand, like, if you're going to do both, but, like, it, the order of it didn't feel like it was yeah. a strategic plan. It didn't feel like, hey, now he's messing with their heads, he's messing with their heads, he's messing with their heads, now he's going to murder. It didn't feel like yeah. that. It felt... It felt out of place. It didn't feel like the structure was right. Yeah, Terrence, that's interesting because it didn't feel like a natural build to the movie because he kills the one guy up front. Then he's right. kind of messing with the heads, but he also tries to kill them. And then he's killing them when the kills are lame. Like the the actual build of what yeah. he's trying to do to these kids does yeah. not feel like a horror movie. No it's sense. all over the place. That's mm. that's. I, I think that's one of my biggest gripes. That's an excellent point. Makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So now that we have talked about all of our likes and gripes, let's get into our next segment. Mm, brains. Mm. Tasty. <laughs> so, Jamie, I have <laughs> always tasty. I have a question and it's going to be a little random, but as a therapist, <laughs> If somebody came to you, let's say um, Ryan's character came to you years later after all of this stuff has happened and confessed to everything that happened that summer in, in 97 uh, because he was holding on to so much guilt and it was ruining his life, what are the rules for possibly having to turn somebody in for a potential murder now this is years later you know everything has transpired like there's there's nobody there's whatever it's just him and his guilt everyone has moved on there's patient doctor confidentiality but of course we know like if there's a murder involved that's that's one thing but this is years later so like what are the rules of about this particular situation? Yeah, this is a really good question. And first off, I do want to say that Barry Cox would never be a client of mine. I would have a consultation call with him and I would absolutely be like, I'm sorry, I'm not the right fit for you. (laughs) (laughs) No. And that's the beauty of consult calls. Um, So uh, I I hope that I'm still right about this. from like the last times that I did a lot of research into confidentiality. So, so yes, as a licensed mental health professional, we are, we're bound by like our, our code of ethics, as well as like the, the, the rules that are tied to the licensing board, which is each state, every state, um, for, uh, for most mental health professionals, um, similar to lawyers who have to take the bar in, in a respective state in order to practice in that state that you have to 
take an exam, uh, complete a certain number of hours, et cetera, et cetera, apply for licensure, and then you are licensed by that particular state. So some some laws might differ between states, but for the most part, I think it's generally the same things. Um, regarding confidentiality, so this is like an explicit thing that I always bring up in my in my intake session. So the very first conversation I'm having with a new client, I go through what the what rights you have as a client seeking therapy. And again, this should be consistent across like all therapists should be explaining these these rules, um, informed consent, uh, HIPAA, like those types of things. Like these are things that you should be aware of while seeking therapy. So with confidentiality, my spiel is that like all conversations and communications between us are protected by law unless you tell me that you are going to or that you want to hurt yourself, kill yourself, commit suicide. Um, if you want to hurt somebody else, harm like cause harm to someone else, or if you report any kind of like child abuse or neglect. Um so that is for future things. Like if you tell me that you want to do this thing that has not yet come to pass, then I am obligated. Then confidentiality kind of supersedes your, uh, your, your, not your rights, but your, your like autonomy that you have, which is like also an, an, one of the ethics that's involved, um, at least with the social work ethics, um, so if it has not yet happened, I'm obligated to like, you know, safety plan. And if we can't safety plan together, then I would contact um, like EMS to come to evaluate you. And like potentially you would have to go to the hospital um, for things. So again, this is my understanding and I, and I might be wrong, but the last time I researched this, which was a few years ago, for things that have already happened based on confidentiality, there is no obligation to report past, I'll say misdeeds, uh, <laughs> um, things that have already taken place. Uh, and yeah, because like confidential, confidentiality would supersede, like there's no future harm being caused where like I could intervene. It's already happened. Um, and therefore that, that information is like protected which is fascinating. Okay. So Jamie, here's my second question. So what can carrying a life-changing secret do to you? Because we see Julie, she's falling behind in school and she's kind of separating herself from her family and her friends. So can you talk about uh, kind of what it can do to a person to hold on to those secrets? Um, and just to tag on to that, um, I would like to ask as well, because, you know, going into what that would do to a person, if you could go through kind of individually as far as what um, each character probably like developed from that traumatic experience. Yeah. Yeah, I will do my very best. Um, so I, I mean, I do feel like we have some reasonable ways that people are responding to this event that they've all been a part of. Um, you know, you have, uh, you have Jennifer Love Hewitt's character who is, or Julie James, um, who's like pretty 
you know, shut down. She's not as engaged, um, in, in her whole life. It seems like, like, you know, her, her roommate or her friend is like knocking on the door, asking her to like do stuff. And like, it just, she's not, she's not participating in her life. It's like, she can't fully be herself because like part of that includes this event that she was a part of. Um, and then on the like complete opposite end of the spectrum, you have Ryan Phillippe's character, Barry, who is like a giant piece of shit. Not that trauma turns people into giant pieces of shit, but rather like just this, I mean, his like narcissism is like so high. And again, I don't know if like that's the connection that I'm making, but I think that there's something to, um, this very like destructive behavior, um, that, that sometimes, um, you know, I, I, like I'll say that trauma, I think can impact as we've talked about trauma a lot, but like trauma can impact you in like such a variety of ways. So there aren't necessarily like, you're either going to act this way or that way. But I like that we're getting a lot of different presentations in how people have, you know, taken on this, this traumatic experience and like how it's now, how they're continuing to carry it one way or another. They're all, most of them, I will say, are avoiding it with the exception of Freddie Prince Jr.'s character, Ray, who we later find out actually went to um, to Missy thinking that that was the person that they had killed. And like him, him like involving himself in, in her life as a way to like manage the guilt that he was carrying, um, that like he's not, he's not directly avoiding it. Um, he, he's trying to figure out like, how can he find relief from, from the guilt? Whereas like some of the other ones are like just fully like shutting down or like compartmentalizing that where they're not thinking about it, but it has impacted all of their lives because like the trajectory of what they wanted to do, they, they, none of them felt like, you know, for one reason or another that they could continue on those paths or like pursue those things. Um, Sarah Michelle Geller's character was like supposed to become an actress in New York and then ends up working for her sister. Like all yeah. the, all three of them with the exception of Jennifer Love Hewitt, like all stay home and, and none of them leave this like small fisherman town. Um, mm-hmm. which is also interesting thinking about like the avoidance piece. You'd think that they would all like cut and run to never have to think about this because they're already right. trying to like, you know, compartmentalize it, not think about it in the secret that they want to keep. So it's interesting that like, there's still something that's preventing them from being able to like live their lives fully, which I would say is the event and the guilt that they're feeling. And so like, it has just fundamentally shifted the trajectory of like what their lives have become. None of them have been able to accomplish and like do the things that they wanted to do because the weight of of this experience is so heavy on them. And because they're not talking about it and they're not like dealing with it head on, um, it's just eating them all up inside and they can't like, they can't process, you know, what happened because they're actively trying not to. So this is where compartmentalizing exclusively can be really unhelpful. Yes. That is a great answer. Don't compartmentalize. And always <laughs> Don't only compartmentalize 100% of the time. <laughs> then your hair will go flat. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I want that. <laughs> well, I was going to ask, is it the same? Because I forget what other like movies it was that y'all talked about. But there were other couple of movies where, um, where it's like the, the little like 
little like um big head toy that Brian has behind him. What's the 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 movie with trick um, or treat? The, yeah, iconic um kid, but like it's like he's always around when when something. Oh bad yeah, happens. trick or treat. Yeah, um, it's kind of like when I think somebody said this person who had done something, the the bus driver, I guess, or yeah. like he made he did this terrible, awful thing. But yet he still lived in the area. And it's like mm-hmm. this tether, you know, because even though Jennifer Love Hewitt left, she never left. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, even though she left, herself was always there. So it's kind of mm-hmm. that same world of like not being able to leave this place that you have done something very traumatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good connection. Cool. Well, I think that's uh, all for our mm, brains section. Jamie has spilled all of her mm, guts for... <laughs> Not all of them. I still do have some. Yes. <laughs> My insides are still on the inside. Well, on the inside. <laughs> she has a lot of chutzpah. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we should get into uh, Rotten Tomatoes. It's the Rotten Tomatoes game. All right. So what do you think I Know What You Did Last Summer has on Rotten Tomatoes? And feel free to guess what you think I Still Know What You Did Last Summer has on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. I want to guess for the OG, for the time, mm, 60. All right. And I want the second one to be higher, so I'm going to put 65. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, uh, Terrence, what do you think? I probably think that the OG got a higher grade than what it needed, and I think the sequel probably got a lower grade than what it deserved. So, like, um, I would probably say, like, uh, let's go with an 83, no, 87 mm. for the OG, and let's go with, like, a 72 for um, the sequel. All right. Mm-hmm. Jamie? Yeah, I'm going to say... Uh, 64 for the first one, and I'm I'm going lower. I'm gonna say 55 for the sequel. Uh, y- y'all really botched that one. Oh, oh no! no. <laughs> I know what you did last summer has a 43 oh. <laughs> percent. A by the number slasher that arrived a decade too late. The mostly tedious I Know What You Did Last Summer will likely only hook diehard fans of the genre. Hmm. Fair. Yeah. Diehard. Yes. <laughs> uh, the only thing that most of you got right is that I Still Know What You Did Last Summer has a lower score than I Know What You Did Last Summer. It has a 7% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, no way. Boring, boring, predictable, and bereft of thrills or chills. I still know what you did last summer is exactly the kind of rehash that gives horror sequels a bad name. (gasps) Oh no, poor Brandy. Brandy deserved that. Brandy deserved that. He deserved justice for Brandy. Yeah, that's that's pretty rough. Ouch. Oh, gosh. Uh, And if you cared, I'll always know what you did last summer has a 0% on (laughs) Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) That might be more believable, and I haven't even seen it. 
And the TV show from 2021 has a 42% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, a bloodless slasher that falls to congeal, that fails to congeal. I know what you did last summer. Hacks at its killer cast with plot holes and unsatisfying twists. Wow. Oof. Anyway, I forget sometimes how brutal. <laughs> let's let's, uh, let's do uh, the four S's. Yes. Yes. Scare, shakes, and suggestions. The talking horns, four S's. <laughs> All right. The four S's are skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. We rank skulls, scares, and shakes one through ten. Skulls, how much, how well do you think this handles human behavior and mental health? Scares, how scary was it? Shakes, how much are you going to remember it? Suggestions, what would be tied in with a three-pack, two-pack at um, Walmart? Um, let's start with Jamie. Let's start with you. What are you thinking for Skulls, Scares, and Shakes? So for Skulls, I gave this a two. Uh, people mm-hmm. were really not peopling in this um and it was very <laughs> distracting and not believable. Um, with the the two points go to like, how do I think people would navigate like experiencing a trauma? Um, but all of the points are deleted by the escalation of like, we have to throw this guy in the water because we ran him over. Like there is no thinking happening here, even for young, dumb people who don't have fully formed brains. Um, mm-hmm. For scares, I'm giving this a one. This was not scary. The hook hand is, you know, hooks are spooky, but there, <laughs> this movie is not spooky at all. Um, for shakes, I'm, I'm giving this a four only because of like nostalgia. And I remember when I watched it as a kid and like being scared as a kid, but like, I, I will probably forget who the killer is once again, again, (laughs) for sure. All right. Nikisha. Yeah. So I'm going to give skulls a three. For what Jamie said, scares is a one. It's not scary, but five for shakes because absolutely the nostalgia. And uh, Freddie Prince Jr. was such a cutie. <laughs> uh, Terrence. Um, as far as skulls, uh, you know, I'll give it like a oh, two somewhere in there. You know, I don't really think about it too much. Um, as far as <laughs> scares, I will give it a two just because that, once again, that first kill, like I think and it was because I was yeah. just sitting there and I had forgot all about, f- forgotten all about it. And I was like, I wonder what this first kill is. And then it, it got me and it made me jump a little bit. So I was like, okay, right. I'll, give you a two. I'll give you a two. Um, as far as um shakes. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I don't see myself shaking it off anytime soon. So I'll give it like a four or five, but like, like, like I said, just because of the, nostalgia aspect of it like when you see the poster you remember exactly what it looks like and mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah yeah i'd give it like i'm giving it a four and a half there we are all right Ooh. um i give this a four for skulls because they aren't peopling but i do think that it's interesting that they tried a little bit to like show how these people held on to these like what what happened to them in that a year scares this is a zero straight up not scary <laughs> at all um um shakes i actually get i gave this a six but i was expecting to give this like a 10 or a nine because Mm. of what i remembered so actually having watched this movie brought my shakes down because 
I remembered this as something like a slasher, but I would hot take. I would never suggest this over Urban Legend anymore. Urban Legend is a far superior movie yeah. to I Know What You Did Last Summer. Hot 90s. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. Um, all right. Well, let's go to suggestions. Uh, Nikisha, let's start with you. Yeah, I'm suggesting an episode of a TV show, and I've done this before, but I'll do it again. And then there was Sean from Boy oh, Meets sure. World. Oh, yeah. Jennifer Love Hewitt is in the episode as Jennifer Love Pfefferman, and she's yeah, yeah. screaming the entire time for no reason. It is probably better to watch those 30 minutes than this entire movie. I said it. I love it. Uh, Jamie, what about you? Um, so obviously you already mentioned urban legends, shout out to the hair, um, who is also a main character because her hair changes when the killer is revealed spoilers. Um, but going on the virgin thread, I've only seen this movie once, but I never forgot about it. Cherry falls, a slasher from the year 2000 that focuses on a serial killer targeting Virgins, yeah, and the name so of it is Cherry Falls. Cherry Falls. Yeah. Wow, starring Brittany Murphy and Jay Moore. <gasps> oh, oh, I want to watch that. I've never Me seen too. that. Yeah, I haven't either. <laughs> Put that on the podcast. Yeah, we could. Yeah. That's great. I would watch that for sure. Yeah. All right, uh, Terrence, what do you got for a suggestion for us? Um, seeing as you know, like James is going with the whole like um virgin thing and the keisha's going with the jennifer love hewitt thing so i'm gonna go with the hook thing i am gonna suggest hook (laughs) (laughs) oh my god obsessed hook to you and if you find big clock crocodiles frightening hey it's a scary movie for you if you find a young boy being in love with a girl and then she gets older and says i'm too old for you peter but my daughter's here if you find that frightening then hey you know what you can watch that as well uh, but yeah i'm offering up obsessed, a <laughs> obsessed. all right i've got i'm going with ensemble 90s casts um if you want another slasher with a great ensemble 90s cast whether you think of the movie or not halloween h2o you got a nice, nice um, 90s, uh, you know, teen stars in that one. And if you just want something a little bit lighter and you want a little bit of this, watch the two Scooby-Doo movies. <gasps> uh, a little bit I of mystery, a little mm. bit of 90s slasher teens in the movie together. Like, Sarah and Freddy. Yeah. Sarah and Freddy. You got a little bit of uh, Lillard. Like, why not just jump right in? Direct, uh, written by James Gunn. Like, just like have a have a delightful time watching that. Um, Sequel got Alicia Silverstone. Yeah, absolutely. Just get into it, and then obviously, you know, there's always the can hardly wait of it all. Um, oh, but uh, yeah, those, so those are my suggestions. Cool. Mark. Amazing. Well, I think that ends our episode of I Know What You Did last summer. You can follow us on all of the social meds at Talk Horror Pod. Check out what we're doing, especially on the TikToks. Brian's putting out some great content there. And Brian, where can they listen to us? You can listen to us wherever you find podcasts. So things like 
YouTube. You can watch us there. Hi. You can also find us on Spotify. You can also find us on um, Apple Podcasts and Google. Rate and review us. Five stars. Oh, no. What do we do here? Five stars, please. (laughs) And And thank thank you. And we want to say also special thank you to Terrence for coming on and joining us with this. It's always a pleasure. I'm sure we'll be uh, seeing you again soon. So, Brian, let us us off with one of those fabulous quotes that you had. (laughs) Look, mister, you can ravage me in two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all. Bye. Bye. Bye.